This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Welcome back. The bill to legalize marijuana is being introduced today in the House of Commons. Medical cannabis is already legal, but it obviously will be easier to get when the law changes. So what is the best way to use it? For what conditions does it work best? And what about concerns about safety, especially for young people, and also access? I remember a recent uh, call on this very um, segment, and it was the caller was saying that it was the only thing, marijuana, that helped his wife. It got her off opioids, but it wasn't covered, unlike those really dangerous and fairly expensive opioids. So with all of that, we are going to be talking to our trusted contributor, Dean Miller from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. He's also going to be taking your calls and questions about marijuana and about any other pharmacy-related questions. So uh, let me give you the numbers once again before we start. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we're talking Hot. Hi, Dean. How are you? Hi, Libby. I'm just fine. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So um, have you seen a, an increase in people asking you about medical cannabis? Um, and what do you think it's best for? Well, I, I, absolutely. You're, you're right. I mean, the, the, the level of conversation at the pharmacy counter over the last little while has increased um, exponentially almost because I think you know what it's done and the announcement from the federal government is cert got people talking and and I think now more than ever now that people know that something's gonna happen uh, you know they want to know about it and uh, you know pharmacy is a good place to access because you know there's uh, it's being treated like a, like a drug and uh, and I think uh, people want to know more information so the pharmacy is a good place to start to uh, to start asking questions yes um, correct uh, I know that some pharmacies also want to be able to uh, distribute it to um, prescribe it but uh, but uh, that's a whole other question uh, so um, what do you think uh, the best use of medical cannabis is, or the best uses? Well, you know, th- th- there's a lot of conditions that it's already been used for. You know, um, all this new legislation is is going to do is 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 bring it into the forefront and enable like all the provinces to to really choose what they want to do with it um, from a legalization perspective. But things like you know the, the the stuff that people know know and it's been very commonplace in the media is things like glaucoma uh neuropathic pain you know you gave a great example of you know nothing else worked for my wife for her pain until she added mar- marijuana in and and a lot of times it's just adding to another medication that you're already taking but 
you know, other uses, I mean, anxiety and depression and, you know, things like the, the mental health illnesses are, are, are really at the forefront as well of, of, of what medicinal cannabis can be used for. So, but, but, you know, it can also cause anxiety and a little bit mm-hmm. of paranoia. That happens to people on pot. Well, absolutely. And I think that, that's, that's the part that's a lot of the research and stuff that's going on. And there really isn't. Uh, I mean, there is research out there, but the research that sort of you can take to the the healthcare professionals to say it has a legitimate use for, you know, glaucoma or it has a legitimate use for pain, you know, that that is is lacking in the hands of the healthcare professionals, and that's why. What does know, it do for? Sorry to interrupt you. What does yeah. it do for glaucoma? Well, you know, glaucoma is increased, what they call increased intraocular pressure. So that's, you get this huge pressure in your eyes and, you know, you you start to, you know, have trouble focusing and seeing and that sort of thing. So the the concept of uh, medicinal cannabis being used to to decrease that that intraocular pressure in, in one's eyes usually, you know, helps with, with their sight and whatnot. And it's, it's usually a, you know, that's, that's usually a, uh, you know, a condition that is is really, um, you know, 65 and over. And those are the people that usually get, uh, you know, glaucoma and, you know, people in retirement homes and long-term care facilities and that sort of thing. So so glaucoma is probably the one that has been known the longest. Uh, I would say that, you know, what gets seniors talking a lot about uh, the use of medicinal cannabis is around the topic of glaucoma. But just recently, as you mentioned, uh, pain has really started to become a question we get a lot at the pharmacy is, well, how does it, what do I have to do? You know, what do I, you know, can I use it with this medication? Should I, should I combine it with another one? You know, we're starting to get a lot more questions like that. That's, that's a very interesting question. Uh, let's take a call from uh, Mike in East York. Hi, Mike. Oh, hi. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm actually waiting for an order for my medical cannabis. What okay. What's happening right now? And what do you use it for? Um, anxiety and depression. Uh-huh. And, and for some post-traumatic uh, stress. Mm-hmm. And how, how long have you been using it and how does it work for you? Um, I've been using it medically for about four months and when I'm able to get the correct strain, it works wonderful. Oh, uh, so is there a problem with that? problem is is that not all the suppliers always have the correct strain. The correct strain for me right now is the CBD, which is extremely hard to find, so I had to go to a new supplier. And then waiting for the new supplier, it's now been two weeks. Mm-hmm. What were you on beforehand? Um, I'm still taking Trintilex, which is one of the newer antidepressants. Kind of works, but it, it's still a struggle. Mm-hmm. Dean, uh, what... Um... Well, I think Mike brings up a really good point, and I think that's, uh, that's what a lot of people don't think about and uh, you know as pharmacy that's why we're so pro uh you know trying to work with our regulatory colleges right across the country to bring this into pharmacy because mike's right there's going to be i I, the way i see this libby is over time there's going to be a ton of different strains and they're going to be known to be effective for all these different disease states right now there's a lot of you know uh, that's a big question right now because as Mike said, availability is not there and things. But I think over time, we're going to start to see this uh, develop so that, hey, you know what, if you're using it for depression, you need this strain, you need this standardized dose, just like any other pharmaceutical, and and it's going to help me with my condition. So right now, uh, in my personal opinion, a lot of that still needs to be worked out. Uh, But it's also the very reason why 
we in the in the pharmacy industry think it should be brought into the pharmacy so that a pharmacist has that opportunity to interact with patients and and their their particular disease state to figure and, out sort of what is the right thing. You know, Mike brings up uh, an issue of access and uh, not just in in terms of of the cost, but you know, he needs this particular strain and and uh, he has to start looking around for it. That um, right. you know, that's yeah. I can see that that's a problem. Yeah, for sure it's a problem, and I think that's another reason why, you know, if 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 we could bring it more to the forefront, and I mean, we all we all know there's a pharmacy almost on every corner, so um, you know, we uh, we just want to get more active in it in it and work with those licensed producers to uh, to uh, uh, help help on the access piece. Okay, Mike, thanks for your call. All right, uh, let's go to Margaret in Kitchener. Hi, Margaret. Well, I would like to take the biggest one off. Um, yeah. Um, do you have to have a prescription to get this stuff? Uh, yeah. Right now, yes, you do. Uh, when I'm it becomes, I, I know people that that do the talk, and uh, they're big as a house because apparently this stuff makes you hungry. So then, what are we also looking at here? Another bigger, fatter epidemic. Well, you're talking about the munchies, undoubtedly. Uh, um, <laughs> Dean, are there are do you know if there are strains that don't make well, you hungry? I mean, well, absolutely, Libby. I mean, you're right. I mean, um, there are. That's sort of been a uh, kind of a, a standard, you know, uh, you know, the smoking of marijuana, um, you know, recreational uh, recreational use causes you to be hungry and and but there are That's many what, again, baby boomers have lots of stories from their youth yeah and, and a lot of uh, like uh, uh, you know the strain the differences between strains absolutely will kind of impact also sort of the side effects you get and that could be described just as a as a side effect that uh, you know uh, hunger right and 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 the fact that you reach out to to eat more. Okay, but you, you know, know what, Dean? It's not just a side effect. Uh, it's a use because yeah. uh, if you're on, uh, and I, full disclosure, I, I used cannabis when I was in cancer treatment. So uh, among other things, it helps with your appetite and with eating when you cannot. Not yeah. Nausea, it really, it's, it's good for nausea. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point, Libby, because, you know, one man's side effects is is certainly another one's use and and you're right and you know we have hundreds of examples of drugs out there that are used for unintended purposes and and that's a great example i think of one that uh that happens with with cannabis you're listening to an exclusive podcast of fight back on zoomer radio heard weekdays from noon to one fight back with libby Snymer on zoomer radio Welcome back. I am with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, Dean Miller. We're talking about medical cannabis, and let's go right to the phones. We've got John in Downsview. Hi, John. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Uh, Well, you know, I'm a little better than normal. Um, 25 years ago, two weeks after I got out of the Army, I was hit by a drunk driver as a pedestrian, Large truck, one-ton Silverado, doing highway speed. I spent 50 weeks in the hospital. Oh, my goodness. I was shoved narcotics. This is back in the very early 90s. Mm-hmm. I got back from Iraq, and after what I'd seen over there, I had seen enough, and it was time for me to stop being a soldier because, anyway, that's another, that's another story. Uh, I got hit, and uh, they told me I'd never walk again. 
Um, I have only have nine. I developed a disease called degenerative disc disease. Okay, now I only have nine discs out of 33 that wow. are left in, intact. I shouldn't even be walking. But, hey, I was a paratrooper. There's no such word as can't. I used uh, medical marijuana. Uh, I was one of the first people to uh, get it back in 92. And back then, you needed three doctors and a psychiatrist playing off on it. Well, um, uh, times have changed, haven't they? Pardon me, there. I said... Times have changed, haven't they? I guess you were a trailblazer. Well, yes, times have changed. So, um, yes, a trailblazer. That has its good points and bad points. I was a trailblazer with, um, I just want to change gears just slightly for a minute. You had a man, a doctor, Dr. David Yearling, on your program uh, maybe a month ago. Uh, I didn't. um, Maybe when someone was filling in for me. But you sure? I, I was pretty sure it was you. Wasn't me. I could be mistaken. I could be mistaken. He was on your program and he was talking about people on fentanyl, which I have been on since 1994. Right. Okay. Now um, the media very seldom gets it right. Um, how stronger fentanyl is than pure heroin? Not street level heroin, but pure 96 percent heroin. The actual number is 80 times stronger. Okay, do you um do you have a question for Dean yes, Miller? I do. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, 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 now, since uh, the media has made it very clear that fentanyl is such uh, an, an evil drug, such a strong drug, such a dangerous drug, and that uh, they're apparently putting it into heroin and people are dying. Now, um, I know um, opium poppies. Okay, and- what's your question? Um, Dr. David Yearling was, uh... Okay, we need your question, John, because other callers are waiting. I'm I'm getting to it. It's, I I need to know from your your guest how I can get put on diacetylmorphine. Okay, thanks for your call, John. Let him answer. Dean? Well, you know, uh, what John's describing is actually, uh, you know, he's going to, I'm sure he's got a regular physician that, you know, that treats him, especially with something like uh, degenerative disc disease. So, I mean, that's the best place. I mean, those are what he describes is actually a pretty powerful uh, narcotic. A very powerful um, narcotic. And there's a there's a, a, a huge problem with overdosing that uh, you and I, Dean, have talked about here correct. on this show. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe... Um, John just mixed up uh, who the the guest was. So we there is a huge problem and people are dying, but uh, some people need it and use it responsibly. And uh, the rules have changed for how you can dispense that. Correct? Uh, well, yes, and they're going to change again, Ruby. In fact, it's the timing on our show today is quite interesting because there is Canada's coming out with new opioid uh, prescribing guidelines over the next. Uh, uh, a uh, couple weeks. So, you know, that's going to change the way that physicians look at, at how, how they're prescribing their own personal habits of prescribing opioids. And I, we, we expect there will be some, you know, some language in there about the use of cannabis with certain medications and that sort of thing. So you're right. The, the whole environment's changing and, you know, uh, it's becoming more mainstream. And, you know, I can only think of this is going to be a positive thing for, you know, people that are on, you know, uh, on 
cancer patients and those that have incredible amounts of pain and and whatnot. So, you know, things are changing, and I think they're changing for the better and and being a lot more progressive. Okay, but, yeah, the bottom line is that it it is going to be harder to get. So, uh, John and and people who uh, use it responsibly should be talking to their doctors. Correct. Correct. Okay, let us move along. We've got Issa in Toronto. Hello, Issa. Hi, good afternoon. I have one question. Um, since it's becoming legal, um, and it is a drug, would it be covered by uh, um, our drug plan? Okay. Uh, the, my answer but is I don't know, pill, but maybe Dean yeah. does. Well, okay. today, he says, like, the answer to your question today is most do not. You know, Shoppers Drug Mart actually made uh, some uh, the press a few weeks ago by saying their own personal uh, plan would cover it. Now, I've also heard of other unions that have started to cover it. So we're starting to see, you know, a lot of those third-party drug plans recognize cannabis as a, as a legitimate treatment, uh, and, and they're going to start covering it. So I'm going to guess by July 2018 – when you know everything is supposed to really happen from a legislative perspective, that we're going to see a lot more, uh, and that's usually driven by the company that you work for. Uh, a lot. Okay, the, I don't know, work, but right now I'm well, retired. Would yeah. I be? Would the government cover this? Drug? Okay, so the process, um, Dean, Dean, the process for the government is uh, usually they have a panel and they uh, decide whether they're going to put it on the formulary of covered drugs. And uh, Dean, do you have any insight into that? Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a long process. But yeah, I know, I know they're all. You know, I mean, you're right. It's like any other drug. You know, you have to make an application. You have to prove safety. You have to, and that's why a lot of the licensed producers out there, the ones that grow the cannabis and put put it in, you know, not only inhalation products but edible products. You know, they've got to prove that standardization, or else I can almost guarantee the Ontario Drug Benefit Plan will not even consider it unless they prove all that, because that's just the process that they go through with any drug. Okay, well, you know, Isa, you know, maybe um, just in preparation for this, uh, you should get in touch with your MPP and talk to them about, okay, uh, medical cannabis has been around for ages. How do we we expedite getting it on uh, the government formulary? Exactly, because some of us or most of us are um, are senior citizens. We don't have that many years to wait. And if we have, we are suffering with ailments that uh, would be helpful to use marijuana. We need action now, not 10 years down the road. Yeah. Libby makes mm-hmm. a good suggestion, Issa, because, you know, that's the, the best place to start. Okay. Uh, you know, talk talk to your member of your provincial parliament, and and that'll get them talking. And and you know, there's a lot because there's a lot of work to get a drug from I can only uh, imagine from not yeah. covered to covered. And uh, exactly. and Ontario drug benefit is probably the most restrictive of any of them. Uh, so huh. it does take a while. So the time is okay. now. We'll do. I will place a call this afternoon. Okay, Thank that's a good so idea. Much. Sounds good. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. All right, uh, we've got Paul in Scarborough. Hello, Paul. How are you doing today? Fine. How are you? Great. Me, it's not a question. It's a thing about marijuana. Like, buddy of mine down, down the road, I won't mention no name. Just He's a minute. Do you have your radio on? You need to turn oh, down sorry, your sorry, radio. Sorry. Give me two seconds. There, so. Okay, go so ahead. Yeah. We went on the computer, right from the cure, and he found something in there. He made these candies. We call them candies. 
marijuana in the, in the uh, cheese lot, butter, uh, water in the pot, pound of butter. He steams it. The marijuana goes in the garbage. You put the you put the pot in the fridge. All the good stuff floats on top. The water at the bottom. Then he mixes it up with the caramel, make candies. Friend of his that uh, or years for years was suffering. She had uh, five spots on her lungs, three on the liver, uh, colon cancer. But colon was too late. She had a bag, but she was going to Sunnybrook. I don't know how many times a week, chemo and radiation. After a couple of months, the specialist, what are you doing? So why? We said, look around. All the other ones, they look like zombies. You haven't lost your colors, nothing. A couple of months later, the spots in the lungs were gone. The liver, they zapped it twice, they were gone. And she's been healthy as a horse for the last three years. Well, that's that's good. The, the cancer treatment worked, and, and you're saying the marijuana helped her with her the, symptoms. The, 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 the marijuana cured her. Well, uh, that, I don't know about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, marijuana, I mean, you know, even uh, I, I remember uh, when I was first diagnosed, the oncologist told me about marijuana. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something hidden. Um, Paul, thank you very much for your call. I don't use this stuff. I'm crazy enough. But <laughs> if I had to, I would take those candies. That, you would you you would take candies rather than uh, uh, smoke it. Thank you very much, I Paul. I would try that first. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Have a good day. Uh, so, uh, do you? Um, I'm just having a little trouble here with the phones. Um, uh, Dean, uh, you know, in terms of uh, how the marijuana is delivered, do you have anything uh, to say about that? Because he's right. Yeah. There are edibles. You don't have to be smoking it anymore because smoking isn't great. Yeah, you're right, Libby. I mean, uh, you know, smoking, I mean, brings the same challenges as regular tobacco use. So, so you know, that's not really the recommended approach. And I think a lot of the licensed producers out there that are now manufacturing medicinal cannabis are looking at, as, as the gentleman said, you know, candy and cookies and, and, and other, you know, standardized uh, doses that, you know, because we do know, like science will show that, you know, the ability to, to standardize a dose and, and really kind of pinpoint what exactly is needed for what condition is way better if you can use an edible product than an inhalation product like a, like a cigarette. So, so, you know, I think there's a lot more research going on on edibles right now than there is on, on the, the smoking form. Mm-hmm. So. And and uh, so, what do you tell your uh, your patients, your customers, when they come in and they start asking you ab- about this? Well, right now, what the pharmacists can do is they can make referrals. So, you know, depending on what your communities are, I mean, the unfortunate part right now is that when you look at the total number of physicians in this province that are actively prescribing marijuana, it's it's just scratching the surface. I mean, there's more and more every month. Uh, but but it's tough sometimes to find, you know, a physician that will act actively, you know, um, uh, write you a prescription for it. Uh, and then there's there's about 25 different licensed producers. You know, it's by mail order, so you get it in the mail, and that's and that's sometimes problematic in itself. So that's why, you know, as the associate the Ontario Pharmacists Association, you know, we're trying to actively promote that that the future when the legislation is officially passed next year that you know we'd love to move this into pharmacy to you know have all the like the, the safety uh, aspects of 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 storage of it um, you know how it interacts with other medications 
creating a drug file for a patient, you know, all those things that a pharmacist does today, you know, we think it should be the same with uh, with cannabis as well. Okay. Well, that was very informative. Thanks so much for that, Dean Miller, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.